Blog Talk Radio. BDPAI Radio, linking business, education, and technology. The BDPAI Radio Show creates a vibrant communications platform that speaks to all BDPA stakeholders. Hosted by Fran McNeil. Technical advice by John Melanson. Sponsored by the BDPA Education and Technology Foundation. BDPAI Radio, linking business, education, and technology. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to BDPAI Radio. Our guests tonight are Jeff Stovall, Lee Reed, and Dr. Craig Brown. Let's get started for tonight. Welcome, Jeff. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, doing very well in Charlotte. Excellent. Well, you know, it's very exciting to have you on the show. I know that in your responsibilities, you are the one that helps make the city of Charlotte uh, operate as the chief information officer. And so I know that a lot of our guests are very interested in, um, A, how did you make the BDPA connection? And then, B, how are you running the city of Charlotte as a chief information officer? So I thought I'd first start with that first question. Um, How did you make the BDPA connection? And what role does it play in your professional life at this point uh, of your career? Well, certainly. Uh, The way I made connection with the BDPA chapter here is that uh, I was very interested in BDPA prior to coming to Charlotte. Prior to coming to Charlotte, I lived in Kansas City area, Kansas City, Missouri area, and we didn't have a BDPA chapter there. And as I had entered into the IT field, I was looking for an organization that would really support the goals that I had for both professional advancement as well as education in the field. And uh, BDPA just wasn't available, even though I knew about the organization. When I moved to Charlotte to take the role of CIO for the city of Charlotte, um, I made sure to make contact with the folks here that were involved with BDPA to make sure I had that professional connection, that I had a way of being able to contribute back to uh, the overall IT profession, as well as being able to offer mentorship opportunities for those people who are looking to rise in the IT field. So uh, for for me, coming to Charlotte really was the way that I got connected to BDPA because of the presence of the chapter here. Wow, wow. So in in being in Charlotte and having a chapter, what opportunities for mentorship are you able to provide in your current role as Chief Information Officer? Because I imagine your days are action-packed, um, and and your responsibilities are are fairly great as a professional. Well, certainly, uh, but I, I try to make sure to find time to participate in BDPA activities, uh, especially when I'm invited as a guest speaker to to speak on issues of uh, what does a CIO really do, especially in the public sector, because not many people are very familiar with what public sector CIOs might do versus those that are in the private sector, which might be more familiar to many people who are in IT. And so I have the opportunity to interact with the chapter here several times a year to be able to, one, be able to speak, and two, just be able to meet some of the professionals that we have in our community, in our BDPA community, and and offer some insights as to how they may be able to develop the skills and exposure that's necessary in order to be able to rise in the ranks. Wow. Well, then, given that you do that on a regular basis within the chapter, those are definitely two areas that our listeners are very interested in hearing from you about. So I'm I'm hoping that you can share with us what what do you do as a CIO in the public sector and how does that differ from some of the things that people have come to expect from the CIO, CIO role in the private sector? 
Well, the role itself is not all that different. I'm still responsible for the deployment of technology solutions in order to uh, meet the needs of our constituency. Uh, now, our constituency is a bit different because uh, working in a government organization, I'm working for the behalf of the, the citizens of Charlotte. So that's a different customer group, if you will, than if you would find if you're in a, a publicly owned organization. And so how that reflects differently for the CIO role is that it, it's definitely a public role. Um, I have an appointed position. It's not an elected position, but I work with elected officials on a regular basis. So understanding what drives our elected officials to to certain policies and certain things that they would like to see happen in our community is certainly a big part of what I do. And so if you think of analogies that the elected officials that we have serve as sort of a a board of directors for the city, and they really provide that governance for the city in providing policies, ordinances, things that benefit the citizens. So as a CIO, I have a, a role with the board, per se, to try to get them to understand how technology can benefit citizens directly as well as how it can affect the efficiency and effectiveness of the government internally. The government has just as much need for technology as any private business, so you still have to administer the portfolio of technologies that are required to deliver effective and efficient services as well as being able to manage the needs for staffing that's required in order to be able to support a large infrastructure. Hmm. And I imagine that each of those, the delivery of the technology and the managing of staffing, have their own challenges. Um, what are some of the challenges in terms of delivering the technology given that you know, as you said, the government has needs and technology changes on a regular basis. Well, I think that you'll find in the government sector, we have specific challenges about how we're funded and how we deploy funds that, that come from our taxpayers to meet citizen needs. Uh, in the public sector, because everything that we're going to do in the public sector is transparent, it's, it's immediately available for public scrutiny, there is a lot more attention paid to the details of how we spend money. Any way that we spend money in our sector is public information. So that is something that could appear in a newspaper article, it could appear on a television show, it can appear in any of the documents that are requested by citizens that want to know more about what government is doing. So that places special challenges in making sure that you place the right bets. Uh, citizens don't like it to, to see tax money being squandered. So you want to make sure that you're particularly careful that the money that we're spending really does go to, to enhancing services and providing a better quality or scope of services for our citizenry. Additionally, I think one of the other challenges you'll find is a, is a fiscal challenge. Uh, all businesses these days are un, under some fiscal stress because as we're coming out of recession, revenues have not recovered to the point that they had been prior to recession in all cases. And so in the government sector, we tend to lag private businesses in our revenue recovery. So we are still in an area, an a mode of operating of reduced costs. We're already at pretty lean to begin with, but the reduced cost also has an impact on our ability to deliver services to citizens. So we, we really have to balance that ability to provide services that are expected for citizens, and that sometimes that means even increasing services like mobile uh, mobile services for our websites and, and other services that people come to expect from the commercial sector they expect those things in the government sector as well, but we're under a constant challenge of being able to provide that given the funding and the funding model that we have as a city. Mm. So, and I love how you articulate those those challenges. On the flip side, what are some of the rewarding aspects of your role given that you are in the public sector uh, under the public eye and um, have the opportunity to be responsive to the needs of 
the politicians and the government and the citizens? Well, I can certainly say without any hesitation that this is the most rewarding position that I've ever had, not necessarily monetarily, but certainly in terms of the direct impact that you can see that government can have, that new government services can have on the end user, on the citizens, the people who really are the consumers of the services that we provide. It's a very close interaction. You don't have to imagine two or three steps out um, what the impact is. You can see the impact almost immediately. For instance, when we switched over our uh, our call center, we have a 311 call center here in Charlotte. When we switched over a new capability that allowed citizens to be able to pay their water bill on, online or over the phone, and they could just walk through a phone process just to pay their water bills, you, you could see that impact. You can see how those calls are manifested. You can see how people are able to, to do things more effectively and more efficiently, uh, and, and it really provides a great deal of satisfaction job satisfaction, when you know that you're making a difference, when you know that you're making an impact in the work that you love to do. And so having that ability to, to, to really do something that is impactful from both a citizen perspective as well as a personal perspective, I don't think you get that same combination in most other positions. Wow. You know, that's a <clears throat> excuse me, wonderful lead-in to the fact that as I reviewed your bio, and some of our listeners may not know, Jeff, that in your role of Chief Information Officer for the City of Charlotte, North Carolina, that you were recognized as one of the top 50 African Americans in technology. And, you know, it's, it's actually sort of uh, inspiring to hear you talk about the rewards and the unique opportunity that you have to combine service uh, professional use of leveraging your professional skills and um, being able to make an impact. And so I was wondering, given that you've had a variety of roles in your professional development, what, you know, if you knew then what you know now, uh, what advice would you give to IT professionals who are really serious about pursuing their career and looking forward to obtaining a C-level, a chief executive, a chief information technology officer role? Well, I think the, the primary thing, and, and really speaking to information technology professionals, is that you have to think about a lot more than just IT. The technology that's associated with what we do is actually a very small part of the impact. Um, really, business is all about people. And so you really have to be able to hone your people skills, the ability to understand uh, how people are motivated in an organization, what are their drivers, and what is the business really trying to accomplish. Technology is just a means of being able to provide processes and support for business processes that really impact a customer or a citizen somewhere else. So understanding really what is the mission of your business, how does your business operate, how does it deliver its products and services to its customers, and then being able to have a wide view of how technology can impact the ability to meet the mission of the organization is, is truly key. Uh, I tell the people in my organization, especially my senior leadership team, that I don't expect them to spend a lot of time with technology. I, I expect them to spend 60% of their time just dealing with people issues, understanding what's necessary in the organization, understanding what the business requires. Really, those become people issues, understanding the motivations. Uh, I tell them to spend about 30% of their time on process. Once you understand the people issues and you understand where people want to go, then the process will tell you how they want to get there. How, how are they doing things today? What's the as-is? What is the to-be state of the process that they're trying to implement to accomplish their mission? And then from there, I, I tell my senior leadership team that they really only should spend about 10% of their time on the technology because the technology just undergirds the processes, it undergirds the business and people issues in the organization. 
but it's not the main show. It is a means to the end of accomplishing the business goal. And so you have to think as a – if you're coming from a technologist background where most of your time is really focused on creating or implementing technology, as you move up, you have to be able to change that perspective and get much more of a people and business-focused mindset than it is just about the technology because the technology in many cases reveals itself as to what's the right technology and what's the right uh, thing to do with the technology once you understand those people, those people issues, the business issues, and what's necessary in process. Wow. That, that's a, a wonderful um, kind of soundbite. In terms of, and it's one that we've heard in different ways from uh, a variety of guests. And I, I actually um, appreciate the formula that you're giving that 60, 30, 10%, uh, very specific. And um, as, as you share that, I'm wondering as I'm looking at the clock here in terms of the interviewing time, What's a, a final thought that you'd like to share with the audience because you've been very generous in terms of giving us how you got involved in BDPA, uh, some of the challenges and rewards in your role, and um, your if you knew then what you know now. Um, and as we close out the interview, what's one final thought that you'd like to leave our audience with? Well, I would encourage the audience to think broadly about their careers. It's not necessarily a linear progression from uh, you know, an entry-level IT program to the CIO office. Be open to a wide variety of experiences that will show you more about how people operate and how the business functions. And even if you cross businesses, it adds to the richness of your experience that you can really bring to, to now understanding how technology really can make a difference versus being something that's just very interesting and cool in and of itself because that interesting and cool technology in and of itself doesn't necessarily move the business forward. Mm-hmm. Well, Jeff, really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule um, I, you know, the the commitment in terms of people and business and uh, the relationship to process and technology is again a wonderful takeaway for folks. Um, thank you again for spending some time with us, and look forward to having you join us in the future. And again, congratulations on being recognized as one of the top 50 African Americans in technology. Have a great well, thank evening. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. And coming up next is our very own Wayne Hicks. He is going to give us a live BETF update. And I believe that Wayne is on the line, so I'll activate his mic. Good evening, Wayne. How are you this evening? I am outstanding. How are you tonight, Fran? Oh, just fine. Just fine. Uh, Very motivated by uh, the information and uh, perspective that Jeff Stovall, Chief Information Officer of the City of Charlotte, shared. So I think our show is off to a great start and looking for, um, you know, some updates from you in terms of the BDPA Education and Technology Foundation. I, I will do that. And I will I will second that emotion about the uh, the power of the message that uh, the CIO, Jeff uh, Stovall, gave to us. Um, when BDPA talks about that we try to advance the careers of African Americans in the industry from classroom to the boardroom, um, Mr. Stovall is definitely an example of the boardroom, and it is wonderful to see him willing to take time out of his schedule to reach back uh, to our listeners and, and, and talk about it. Um, in terms of the BDPA Foundation, I think the main thing I wanted to let folks know, especially those of our listeners that are in the four states of Georgia, Florida, South Carolina and North Carolina is that we will be announcing the second year of the um, ITology scholarship for BDPA students. And this is a scholarship that's given to any of our student members that live in, in, in those four states or that plan on um, applying and going to school in any of those, uh, to college in any of those four states. And so the information on that will be on our website and um, and will be shared through our, our social networks in the next uh, 48 hours. And we're very excited about that. 
I think the other thing that um, we're very pleased with is that we were able to approve some some funding assistance for some chapters out there. Um, we provided $2,250 uh, recently to the Southern Minnesota chapter um, to support the work that they've been doing as our five-time defending uh, HSCC high school computer competition champions. Uh, we are providing $6,500 in, in um, cash support to the Charlotte chapter um, to help them deliver on the outstanding programs that they've been working on uh, in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. And then finally, we um, uh, just saw a $10,000 check uh, being cashed by the Cincinnati chapter um, to support the work that they've done for their for hosting the Midwest Regional Conference as well as the work they continue to do with their youth education programs. And we're, we're very open to trying to work with all 45 BDPA chapters that are interested in funding uh, for their site's program, for their student IT education and scholarship program. They just need to reach out to uh, us through our website um, um, or by phone uh, or here on this radio show in the chat room. Um, we're, we're very anxious to work with all 45 chapters to get them the money they need to deliver on their programs. And I think I will um, end it there and just say that the foundation is very, very excited as we go into the final 100 days or so of the calendar year to really end the year with um, with a powerful performance. Excellent. And so, Wayne, if uh, as people go on the web or through their phone to access the BETF website, what should they be typing in to get to your website? They they could contact us. Well, the website is BETF.org, um, BDPA Education and Technology Foundation, our acronym, BETF.org. Or they can call me directly. The phone number for the foundation is 513, area code, 284-4968. And so those are probably the two best ways to um, to get the ball rolling. Great. Well, thank you for joining our show and giving us a live update. Really appreciate that. And in the spirit of linking business, education, and technology, we are going to move on to our second guest, Lee Reed, who is an HSCC alumni uh, for 2004 through 2008. He was a student member of BDPA Chicago, and he is currently a student at the University of Michigan. So welcome, Lee. Um, I'm going to turn on your mic. How are you doing tonight, Lee? I'm doing great. Um, thanks for having me on the show. I'm really honored to be here tonight. Oh, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. And, you know, as Wayne said, we had the opportunity to go from the classroom to the boardroom, and Jeff Sobel was a, a wonderful example of someone who is sitting in the CIO uh, chair for the city of Charlotte. And so... What I wanted to do was welcome you tonight um, as representing someone who was part of the classroom literally through our high school computer competition alumni and is currently a student at the University of Michigan. Um, now, tell us a little bit, go back uh, with for the audience in terms of what was your involvement with the high school computer competition and how did you get involved initially? If you could sort of share that that story with us. Yeah, definitely. So I originally was involved in seventh grade. So I went out and I tried out for the team and actually found out I was too young. So I uh, stayed along, kind of tagged along with the class and worked on learning how to develop websites and things of that sort. And how I was initially introduced was actually through my parents. My dad was a member of BDPA. He introduced me to it. And that's how I initially got my foot in the door and started with HSCC, which I did throughout high school and uh, throughout my throughout my high school years. Now, when you were involved with um, the high school computer competition, I love the fact that you got involved early, so early that you sort of couldn't officially um, be part of the team. Uh, what was your team experience, um, both, you know, in terms of sort of final results, but what did you get out of being on the team, and uh, what were some of the learnings of that process for you? 
Yeah, definitely. I would say the person who I was starting out uh, seventh grade, eighth grade, was a completely different person as I finished my final competition my senior year. And a few areas I would say the team has really helped me with is, one, the technical skills. So learning things such as Java, HTML, CSS, and especially now that I'm a computer science major, um, has been very helpful. But two, beyond that, I would say, are the communication skills. So being able to talk and communicate your ideas to your peers, being able to network with professionals who at the time were much older than me, high school students, talking to uh, managers and executives at companies that do things such as the conference. And for me, a huge learning is teamwork. So I remember eighth grade, I was always trying to take the mouse, always trying to program everything myself. And what I learned through the team was in order to really be successful, you really need to have everyone working together on the same page and sort of leveraging each, pers each person's unique skill sets in order to be successful. So those would be the primary things I would say I got out of being on the team. Wow, and wonderfully said. Now, I understand that one year, I, I suppose it was nine, uh, 2006, that your team actually won the championship. Is that correct? Uh, yes, we won in 2006. We're really excited. Uh, Southern Minnesota took second place that year, so we're pretty what? excited about that. Oh, I can't imagine that. Yeah, that was before <laughs> the dynasty, so <laughs> yeah, it was really exciting. We were all jumping up and down, screaming, and all of our hard work paid off. Wow, I can I can feel the energy, even though it's many years later. And yeah. one outcome, and, and certainly you've done a wonderful job of uh, articulating the takeaways of the experience, some of the key takeaways in terms of the technical skills, the communication skills, and the importance of teamwork, which, again, we had a, an opportunity to hear a CIO say, 60% of his time and 60, you know, when he counsels his managers, you know, the people, the people part of um, managing is absolutely critical. You had an opportunity to earn a Bemley Scholarship and the EI Lilly Scholarship um, for BDPA students as a result of the competition. Could you share a little bit about um, the scholarship process in terms of what it meant for you, uh, the opportunities that it may have opened up, and how you ultimately use those scholarships uh, to get you where you are today. Yeah, definitely. So the scholarship process, so there's, there were scholarships that I applied to specifically from Chicago, from corporations, and also from the actual competition team. But for me, it was sort of a testament of seeing the volunteers and the members of BDP, BDPA taking a personal investment in my education, in my future, which was very valuable. And as far as my college choices, like I felt a lot less limited about choosing a school because I didn't have to worry as much about the financial side that came with that because of the scholarship opportunities afforded to me by BDPA. So I would say it definitely opened up a lot of doors um, as far as scholarships, as far as internship opportunities, um, and much more. Mm. Now, you're currently, as you said, a student at University of Michigan, and it sounds like you've chosen to stay within the technology field. Um, are you, to what degree are you involved in BDPA and, and how does BDPA still, you know, how is BDPA still a part of what you're doing? Yeah, definitely. So first, just like what I said before, all those skills that I got from high school are still translating through college. Since I am a computer science major, I felt like, especially with my introduction classes, I had a leg up which just gave me a lot of momentum going into college and led to me being pretty successful academically. Um, as far as things outside of school, I felt like um, networking through BDPA kind of opened doors to early internships. So I've had an internship every summer since senior year of high school, which is 
definitely helping right now as I'm about to go into the boardroom, <laughs> I guess you can say. But as, about to go to the boardroom. And as far as everything else, I would say that, yeah, those would be the two main areas that it's helped me with the most. And also as far as, like, how I'm still staying involved. So for me it was weird because today, this year I went back to the conference and it was in Chicago, so that was very exciting, um, hometown. And it was interesting being on the other side. So I guess throughout high school I was always the one competing. And now when I go back to the conference, I'm a few years older than all the um, people competing and just seeing their faces and seeing their smiles. And it's not just like the students in the, on the high school competition team, but also the students in the youth technology camp. I remember I went there and we gave out prizes to students who answered questions about technology and about BDPA history, and they were just so excited. And that made things exciting for me, and that's definitely something I want to do as I continue take the next steps career-wise. I definitely want to stay involved, especially when it comes to helping the high school students. Wow. Wow. Well, that, that sort of leads to two questions for me, and I'll try to answer one at a time, although you've gotten me very excited about, um, you know, the possibilities and the impact that BDPA has on individuals. One one question that comes up for me almost immediately is, given your perspective of having, uh, you know, being an alumni of the high school computer competition and having a chance to benefit from the scholarships and studying computer science, what, it, what advice do you have for BDPA chapters um, and, and other organizations to attract and retain and develop African Americans um, in, the, in the IT area, in the technical area, so that they, in fact, have the opportunity to go from the classroom to the boardroom. So it's that whole concept of attracting and retaining. What advice do you have since you joined an organization or were involved as early as the seventh grade? Yeah, definitely. That's a great question. Um, as far as a attraction, I would say really highlighting the benefits. And when I say benefits, I don't necessarily mean, oh, you'll join BDPA or this technology organization and you, you'll learn how to code and things like that. That's not exactly what I mean. What I mean by highlighting the benefits, I mean showcasing more so what's the impact of learning this language. So you'll be able to make a website for your local church or maybe you can make a website, your own personal website or a video game or your mobile application. So I think structuring the training and the program itself around real-world applications versus theory I think makes it more exciting for the students and also more valuable. And as far as attracting people, I would say uh, reaching out to local schools because I know a lot of students, especially at Michigan, would have loved to be a member of BDPA, but they didn't necessarily know about it or they didn't have a dad who was a member. So I would say reaching out to schools and advertising at events with that already have a high level of traffic as a way of bringing people in, I would say. Those would be the two things, I would say, as far as attraction and retention of students. But that's really helpful because those are, again, um, you bring the perspective, um, having been an alumni, and the, the whole focus on real world and benefits um, is very helpful. Now, the second question that I have as we sort of wind up the interview process is you several times you sort of said, as I go into the boardroom. And I don't want to put you on the spot, and I'm, I'm intrigued that you're using this terminology, and I'm thinking, I'm checking my paper, uh, and he's a student at University of Michigan. So share with me how and why you're incorporating as I move into the boardroom and you're a student at the University of Michigan. And I think it's wonderful, I mean, it, and it's a, it's a mindset. There's a lot of things I can assume, and rather than doing that, what's going on in your mind? Would you share with us? Yeah, definitely. So when I say move on to the boardroom, one of BDPA's main missions is, um, as you said before, it's like moving students 
such as myself and countless others from the academic process and actually funneling them into leadership positions and into information technology, software development, and those types of roles, uh, more technical roles. And for me personally, like as a senior um, at Michigan, it's crazy how fast time has gone by. It feels like I started this journey, I would say, in seventh grade as far as being exposed to technology. And now, even though I'm finishing school, it's like I'm restarting almost um, I'm leaving the classroom. I'm going into the boardroom. I'm about to start those next steps in my career. And I feel like through my experiences at Michigan, through my experiences and laying the foundation through BDPA and all the mentors and people I've met who continually coach me till this day, I feel very prepared to that next step. I don't have that same level of anxiety that a lot of my peers who didn't necessarily have those same opportunities through BDPA um, face now. Um, and I'm very happy for that and very appreciative of that. Wow. That's, <clears throat> that's the kind of thing that I'm sure, um, you know, again, your mentors will take pride in having the opportunity to be a part of that. I've heard so many of our guests say that that's part of what makes BDPA so valuable is the opportunity to give and to give back um, in terms of experiences. And um, it's wonderful to see sort of from a competitive standpoint that you then possess these skills that include confidence and competence that really prepare you for the next steps. And, and I really loved also that, that phrase or that metaphor of restarting um, and that you're you're able to kind of hit the restart button and refuel for the next leg of the journey. So, Lee, as we wrap up the interview, I'm hoping that you can share with the audience a final thought that you have that kind of summarizes um, what you'd like people to be thinking about over the next few weeks. Yeah, definitely. So I would say through my years of involvement through BDPA, it, as I said before, it's truly like one of the most influential organizations that I've ever joined and ever been a part of. And I really just want to take a second to say thank you to all the volunteers, all the members who put in countless hours of hard work, putting up with kids like me um, in high school who were difficult to handle at times, um, uh, and that's truly had an impact on my life. And, and that's not just like what I've seen in the Chicago chapter, but also in the Detroit chapter and just nationally throughout the organization. And to students, I would say to really challenge yourself to take advantage of these resources and opportunities because at the end of the day, everyone is there for you. Everyone they are your support network. And if you reach out, people will take your hand. People will help guide you into whatever career choice or whatever avenues you want to pursue in the future. Wow. We, you are positioned. <laughs> the, the boardroom, I, I sort of see the doors opening up. You are, are bringing those people skills that Jeff Stovall talked about that understanding of teamwork, and um, it, it's really very motivating, inspiring to hear you to share your thoughts. I wish you well in your senior year, and uh, please count me in as a part of that network that is looking to support you and your fellow BDPA uh, peers on their journey to success. So have a great evening, and thank you again for sharing part of your evening. I'm sure there are papers and uh, programs to write, uh, so thanks for sharing part of your evening with us. Thank you so much. Have a great night, too. Thanks. You, too. Well, you know, this uh, opportunity of being the host of BDPAI Radio is, in fact, a unique one because um, we, uh, in this role, I get to uh, have a chance to talk with a number of just very positive and talented individuals. 
And our next guest is uh, exactly in that category as well. We are very fortunate to have uh, joining us this evening Dr. Craig Brown. And Dr. Brown is um, currently the national BDPA vice president for 2012 and 2013. And he will work with the incoming national president, Monique Berry, and the incoming regional officers to take um, BDPA to the next level. And I'm going to ask him some questions about his role as the VP of National BDPA. And I also want to share with our audience that Dr. Brown has a 24-year career serving as an expert systems and database architect with leading technologies for companies such as Oracle, Oracle PeopleSoft, SAP, IBM, and Microsoft. And his experiences really focus on enterprise resource planning, decision support, and relational database management systems. And what's kind of fascinating is he appears to be, and we can you know, ask some questions, and feel free to ask questions on the chat as well, that he's a lifelong learner. Dr. Brown has earned over 20 certifications within uh, various technical technological areas, and he holds a BS in computer science, as well as a master's degree in business, and a doctorate in management information systems. So I am sure that I could spend the entire rest of the show talking about his background, and I know that you as the audience are listening to hear from our very own Dr. Craig Brown. Uh, Dr. Brown, welcome to the BDPA Internet Radio Show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, it is, it is truly our pleasure. So this evening, um, I am sure that you are juggling a number of things, uh, your personal work responsibilities, uh, your personal life responsibilities, and the responsibilities of being B, uh, vice president of National BDPA. So um, I, I have a number of questions, and, and one of the first questions, particularly given your national role, is, what attracted you to BDPA initially? Sort of take us back. Um, Jeff shared his involvement. Lee shared his involvement. So, Dr. Brown, what attracted you to BDPA? And uh, how have you remained so actively involved over the years? I joined the BDPA in the late 1998 timeframe. Uh, and actually, how I became a member uh, of the organization was I was first asked to speak at uh, the Philadelphia chapter as an expert. Um, I believe my presentation was on multi-parallel processing, which at that time was a very new concept. And after the, or actually during the presentation, and mind you, when I was invited by a friend who uh, who was also in the IT uh, industry, I didn't realize that it was. An, uh, an African American based organization. I knew it was just uh, for other IT, you know, um, uh, experts. So uh, when I got there and when I started my presentation, I realized that everybody in the room looked like me. So I actually joined BDPA that evening uh, or or the next morning, and uh, I've been a member, an active member ever since. Um, and so again, it goes back to 1998, 99 timeframe. As far as my active, uh, how I stay active in the organization, um, and that's actually pretty easy because the organization's um, main goals are centered around my career. So it's, it wasn't hard to, you know, participate in the national conference, which I've done uh, on several years as a, as a guest speaker. Um, it wasn't hard to participate in the local chapters events because they were <clears throat> pretty much things that I was interested in doing. Um, naturally, by way of what I like to do, you know, you know, as a career and in, in, in my job and my everyday life, so um, it's, it wasn't very hard to stay active, and it still isn't at this point in time. Mm. And you're bringing up uh, a perspective of the fact that 
when there are individuals with expertise, BDPA provides an opportunity to share that expertise um, amongst your peers and amongst people that look like you. I remember when I interviewed uh, Earl Pace, you know, he identified that was one of the reasons that he started the organization, so that people, African Americans, could have an opportunity to learn with and learn from and support each other in this very specialized field and be successful um, from the classroom to the boardroom. So share with us a little bit about your current role within BDPA as the VP of National BDPA. Sort of what does that entail and, and how does that add value to a member you know, individually and how does that help the chapters, how does that help the region? So, so put into perspective the role that you are volunteering for and, and are a key leader in. Sure. Um, as the National Vice President, um, the, my key roles are to serve as the Vice President of Business Management and to, sh and to serve as the Chairperson of Membership Committees. Membership Committees can be um, developed over the course of time that are, that are in a that is specifically um, talk to a need or a desire um, of the chapters and, and its members. Um, I, I also preside over all meetings um, at the National Board of Directors um, and then also the National Executive Committee, um, which are two components at, at the national level um, that help keep the orga keep the organization organized and and forward moving. Um, and in, in, in the event that the president is absent um, within any of these associations, I also um, fulfill that need if, if Monique can't uh, can't participate. Um, in the event that uh, the the national vice president of finance um, needs assistance, that's also my role. Um, and if we didn't in in fact have a national vice president uh, of finance, then I would assume those responsibilities in, in full, but we actually do, so I only have to help out this time. As far as the value that I bring, I've been a member for quite a while, and I have quite a quite a bit of experience, in, and I've moved around uh, so much, so I've experienced in different chapters. What actually happens um, at the membership level? Um, and, and a lot of it is good. A lot of it is very positive, and a lot of it is very structured. There are times when um, there's some challenges in trying to, to locate or find the right program that uh, you might need to, you know, help fulfill or satisfy a desire you may have as a member. Um, and I've and I've had those experiences in the past, and I think that with those experiences um, as the national v vice president, I can um, keep those uh, those issues, those problems, those experiences you know, at the board level so that, you know, it's almost like a reminder of, you know, this is about our members, this is about, you know, the future, this is about the programs and and, and the fulfillment that um, the members who join the BDPA um, are looking for. Mm -hmm. Now, that, that is a great soundbite right there. This is about the members, this is about the future, this is about the fulfillment for you know the expectations that the members have. That that's that's really very very powerful. And and building on that, given that you have the opportunity to bring your experiences to bear as a professional, as a lifelong learner, as a member of BDPA, what's your vision for the future of BDPA? I would like to see the members of the BDPA take full advantage of its offerings. Uh, the BDPA has a very diverse set of member services. Um, it's <clears throat> and it and it grows um, and and it grows with as technology grows, so do the member services. It's almost like there's a two-sided menu, and you really have to, to to narrow it down because you can't do everything. Um, I would like to see all the members uh, utilize these services um, of their chapter and even other chapters that may broadcast um, events or or um, uh, chapter opportunities, you know, online where there might be a webinar or something that uh, a member can take advantage of, even if they're not a part of that chapter directly. 
Um, I look at the BDPA as a family somewhat. The chapters are like cousins and aunts and uncles. So you're not isolated to the the, the happenings within your local chapter, particularly if you belong to a smaller chapter where the BDPA has uh, much larger chapters like Chicago that, you know, offer may they may offer more services or more or more opportunities to its members because it has a much larger member base. So, I think that overall, um, the BDPA, uh, you know, is widespread. Its member base is very diverse, and opportunities and the member programs that we have are also very diverse. And I want to bring all that and collectively help the members take advantage of the entire BDPA and, and go beyond just what their chapters have to offer so that they can get the fulfillment that I believe that they are entitled to. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, that word fulfillment. And um, the fact, you know, I'm hearing it, others may have said it, and I'm hearing it very clearly from you, Dr. Brown, this evening, um, an aspect that members can really take advantage of what's offered within their chapter and also what's offered in other chapters and on a national basis as a result of the technology. So they can listen to a webinar. Um, They can connect, um, take advantage of a program offering. So, um, and that family aspect, so there's the people aspect and the technical aspect that people uh, have available to enrich what BDPA provides uh, to them. Now, I'd like to shift gears a little bit because you you know, from your very first experience with BDPA, were brought on as an expert. So there literally are technical perspectives and leadership perspectives that you have. And I'm wondering, what are some of the challenges and rewards, and this kind of echoes the the questions that I asked uh, Jeff Stovall, but what are some of the challenges and rewards of serving for 24-plus years as an expert systems and database architect within the leading technologies of Oracle and Oracle PeopleSoft and SAP and IBM and and Microsoft. You've worked with some of the big names um, and and the legacy systems. So what were some of the challenges? What were some of the rewards? Sure. Challenges um, were actually we probably all feel the same challenges within the technology field because it's always changing. You, it's really hard to call yourself an expert or, or be considered an expert in an, in, a, in an area or an industry that's so widespread and is evolving on uh, almost on a daily, weekly basis. But once you've acquired the foundation of the gist within your arena, whether it be databases or uh, programming or, or or project management, even you, the changes don't directly affect your past experiences, but add to what you've already um, acquired in terms of knowledge. Knowledge is the key word. Once you know how something works, the the changing software or hardware or or other you know technological areas don't take away uh, the value of that knowledge. And the challenges that I initially had in my career were acquiring that knowledge. Um, Now that I have it, let's talk about the rewards. The rewards are really quite simple. Um, The notoriety amongst my peers, um, I'm I'm considered a subject matter expert in, in, in a couple of different areas. And so as the economy shifts um, to um, you know, it's good times and it's bad times. Companies utilize technology in different ways. Right now, they're, they're really trying to scale back and save money. So most of the the the, the time that the managers of larger corporations are doing with technology is trying to keep the company in business and leverage it, the information and make decisions as quickly as possible, and it, and and by also reducing their overhead. But at the same time, when 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 the economy is on the other side of the spectrum, companies spend money in technology to evolve their businesses, um, take larger portions of their market share. So you get a, a combination of 
expansion and reduction. But from a technology standpoint, it doesn't change our day-to-day activities. It doesn't change how the knowledge you have from what we did with the technology a year or two, three years ago, how we leverage that now to, to move forward a year, two, three years from now. So the rewards are, are vast, and they're, and, they're, and they're continuous. They don't stop because the knowledge is there. And once you acquire that knowledge, um, you can pretty much write your own ticket. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's great. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, there's really something to be said for the continuous learning. And um, I, I liked how you created, as I was taking notes, you know, I kind of did my uh, sort of a T-graph and put, you know, rewards on one side, challenges on the other. And in the reward, that whole concept of having these skills allows you to um, be flexible and powerful in sort of either economy, the reduction economy or the expansion economy, and then you brought it home by identifying um, how it plugs into the business case as well as the technology case. So um, I, I felt like I was part of a master class just there, um, and, and uh, th- thank you for that. Um, now, building on knowledge, technology, and leadership, um, what advice do you have? And given that you know you have a, a BS, a master's, and a doctorate, what advice do you have for individuals? want to prepare for the information technology jobs of the future. And we we have the opportunity to hear Lee's perspective. And I'm, I'm just wondering, what's your perspective in terms of helping people prepare for the future? Sure. I think that um, we all we all have, or, or we all start out, you know, coming out of college, or coming out of high school, actually, with the concept of the importance of a, a bachelor's degree. And that absolutely is the same. It is a, it's a very, it is extremely important step educationally and personally for for those that choose to, to to go down that path. But I think that the mindset that we all need to have today is that that's just the beginning. Once you have that, and re, regardless of what discipline it's in, but particularly in the IT world, it's hard to get a degree in in, in a field. That and come out with that degree in a field that one has changed since you started your your degree. Uh, four years later, after you've um, entered into college, the technology is different than it was when you went in. So, your knowledge of technology going into college is is going to evolve while you're learning about it. But the the curriculum that you're in doesn't evolve with your knowledge of the of the industry because companies move much faster than colleges do in terms of what you need to know versus what you're being taught. So we need to to change our mindset and look at our bachelor's degree as the beginning of our career educationally because getting an advanced degree does have a lot more implications than just the obvious, which is it's an, an additional degree. It provides you with an additional perspective in the field that you've already had maybe a few years' experience working within and have already learned, you know, from from the four years you were in college um, about that field because the field changes. And so you're constantly trying to, you know, gain knowledge on a moving target. And and, and as I said earlier in, in our conversation, the knowledge is what will propel you into the successes that you will enjoy once you've acquired it, and because IT is a moving is a moving uh, a moving vehicle, you you have to approach a career in IT slightly different than than that maybe in uh, something more specific like marketing or or business or or even engineering, because those fields don't change or evolve as quickly as IT does. Um, and IT evolves because corporations and, and even in the, in the public sector, they require it to because their needs evolve, the needs of, the, of their employees evolve, the needs of their business markets evolve. So with that, involve, with that evolving um, driver, um, it's real key that your mentality be that 
not only do I, I want to earn my bachelor's in, in that discipline that you've chosen, but I need something else to complement that to help propel me into the future. And we're always thinking future, future-minded is, 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 is what my advice would be to, you know, to your listeners out there. Mm. Oh, and that's, uh, I, you know, it's not quite a rocket, but I, I envision there are a number of graphics that sort of pop into my mind as you kind of connect knowledge and propelling you into success and uh, positioning you to really be prepared for the future and the fact that that journey is a continuous one and that the additional knowledge gives you additional perspective. A way to con- and also combine the perspectives and the experience um, so that that, that packaging um, is really important. Well, you know, Dr. Craig Brown, it has been a pleasure um, to really listen to how you pull together the concepts. And I'm, I'm just wondering, I know we're running out of time, um, but in the last few national conferences, what were some of the ways that um, you were engaged in terms of sharing information? Were you on a panel? Did you do a presentation? I'm just wondering um, who might have heard you recently and I guess my other question is, will you have a role in the conference coming up next year? Yes, ma'am. I, I have served in previous conferences as a uh, presentation um, provider. Um, I typically stick to the entrepreneurial presentations and not specifically the technology ones because, you know, there's usually quite a few of those there. Um, I've always been a part – I'm entrepreneurial in nature, and I've always been a part of – the organizations that you've mentioned, you know, in my past as an entrepreneur. So I try to help, uh, at least through my presentations, uh, the, the people that I've listened, um, you know, find their way through, you know, starting their own business in IT arenas or even, or even going into an organization as an employee with an entrepreneurial mindset so that we don't look at our jobs as, as, as linear. Um, the, you know, Jeff Sobel said earlier that you know you have to have a broad, open-minded view of of your career, and and he could, couldn't have said it any better. That is exactly what I try to convey in the presentations that I've given um, within the. Uh, actually, I've done, I think four, maybe five presentations over the last few years um, at the national level. I'm reluctant to let you go. <laughs> with, with, uh, you know, I feel like we're having a personal conversation, and, and that's uh, in, in the feedback from the listeners. But folks enjoy being part of a conversation. And I always welcome our listeners to participate on the chat, uh, in the social media, whether it's Facebook or Twitter, to share their additional questions. Um, on group site, we have an opportunity for people to continue the dialogue. And I'm just wondering, Dr. Brown, as we do wrap up for the evening, what's a final thought that you'd like to share with our listeners, um, whether it's from your professional perspective or the your leadership perspective in BDPA? Uh, I like to focus it on the BDPA and just remind the listeners that uh, now is the is actually a really good time to join if you've been considering it, and and even rejoin if you're already a member. The board has changed and its structure is um, is different, and I'm, I'm fortunate to be, you know, one of the first members to experience this change. And I believe that what we have in mind over the next couple of years will certainly add even more value to what we already offer. Uh, as an organization, um, and and hopefully we'll be able to get that information out to, you know, the the wide diverse membership that we have, and 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 since since today the the focus seems to be primarily, you know, career and and job placement and, and in those areas, um, it it's my responsibility I feel to help, you know, make sure that we don't lose sight of that and to make sure that our programs certainly cater to that. Um, and then as, as as that change or shifts, you know, down downstream, then I'll certainly uh, make sure that, you know, the BDPA makes the shifts with that change. Um, but I wanted to make sure that members, you know, listening here on the broadcast um, really take a look at the BDPA 
the 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 educational foundation uh, as it's constantly adding uh additional uh, curriculums that uh, offer folks opportunities to earn certifications and and other um you know other educational goals such that they can advance if their career career is on path or even help even get folks um career started so to speak mm-hmm. well thank you dr craig brown thank you for joining us I really appreciate the knowledge the wisdom the encouragement and really the the wonderful kind of mental connections that you've stimulated, I'm sure, um, for a number of the members. And um, in the true spirit of national leadership, um, you, like so many of the BDPA leaders, uh, give people a call to action. Um, I don't think I've heard any BDPA member, a leader, uh, not leave the program without saying, you know, you look at the membership. If you're not a member, please join. And um, you added some words to that call um, that focused on fulfillment, um, echoed the call and the reminder about value, and um, really shared with folks that BDPA provides a, an opportunity for people to stay connected and, um, you know, kind of ride the waves of change of technology and uh, pick up some valuable leadership skills. So thank you again, Dr. Brown, for sharing your evening, and I hope that you have a great rest of the week. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. You're welcome. So as we close out our show for Tuesday, October 11, 2011, I want to thank our wonderful guests, Mr. Jeff Stovall, Chief Information Officer for the City of Charlotte, North Carolina. Our second guest, Mr. Lee Reed, who is a high school computer competition alumna of, uh, alumni of uh, BDPA Chicago, and he is currently a senior at the University of Michigan. And as he stated, he is on his journey um, and restarting his journey to the boardroom from the classroom. And our final guest, Dr. Craig Brown, who is currently the Vice President of National BDPA. And uh, as those of you listened, um, a wealth of knowledge and experience that he is very welcome to share. And thank you also to Wayne Hicks for joining us with a live update and sharing how monies and opportunities are being distributed by the BETF Foundation, and certainly I encourage you, if you haven't done so already, to check out their website at www.betf.org. I'm Fran McNeil, host of the BDPA iRadio Show. Thank you for listening. Please be sure to tell your friends and families and clients and colleagues that they can listen to the archive show at www.blogtalkradio.com slash BDPA. Have a great evening, have a great week, and join us in two weeks, which would be October 25th, as we continue BDPA iRadio on the second and fourth Tuesday of every month. Have a great evening. BDPAI Radio, linking business, education, and technology, showcases IT entrepreneurs, technology experts, computer science academics, and people with a passion for educating our young people in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. BDPAI Radio Show is a regular exchange for BDPA members, sponsors, entrepreneurs, educational institutions, and the black community. BDPAI Radio guests link the diverse worlds of business, education, and technology.